Section 7 of Part 3 of Religious Affections. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matthew James Gray. mjgray.id.au. Religious Affections by Jonathan Edwards. Section 7 of Part 3 4. Gracious affections do arise from the mind's being enlightened, richly and spiritually to understand or apprehend divine things. Holy affections are not heat without light, but evermore arise from the information of the understanding, some spiritual instruction that the mind receives, some light or actual knowledge. The child of God is graciously affected because he sees and understands something more of divine things than he did before, more of God or Christ, and of the glorious things exhibited in the gospel. He has some clearer and better view than he had before when he was not affected. Either he receives some understanding of divine things that is new to him, or has his former knowledge renewed after the view was decayed. 1 John chapter 4 verse 7 Every one that loveth knoweth God. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9 I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Romans chapter 10 verse 2 They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 The new man which is renewed in knowledge Psalm 43, verses 3 and 4. O oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill. John chapter 6, verse 45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. Knowledge is the key that first opens the hard heart, and enlarges the affections, and so opens the way for men into the kingdom of heaven. Luke chapter 11 verse 52 Ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Now there are many affections which do not arise from any light in the understanding, and when it is thus, it is a sure evidence that these affections are not spiritual, let them be ever so high. Indeed, they have some new apprehensions which they had not before. Such is the nature of man that it is impossible his mind should be affected unless it be by something that he apprehends or that his mind conceives of. But in many persons, those apprehensions or conceptions that they have, wherewith they are affected, have nothing of the nature of knowledge or instruction in them. As for instance, when a person is affected with a lively idea, suddenly excited in his mind, of some shape or very beautiful pleasant form of countenance, or some shining light, or other glorious outward appearance. Here is something apprehended or conceived by the mind, but there is nothing of the nature of instruction in it. Persons become never the wiser by such things, or more knowing about God, or a mediator between God and man, or the way of salvation by Christ, or anything contained in any of the doctrines of the gospel. Persons by 
these external ideas have no further acquaintance with God as to any of the attributes or perfections of his nature, nor have they any further understanding of his word or any of his ways or works. Truly spiritual and gracious affections are not raised after this manner. These arise from the enlightening of the understanding to understand the things that are taught of God and Christ in a new manner. The coming to a new understanding of the excellent nature of God and his wonderful perfections, some new view of Christ in his spiritual excellencies and fullness, or things opened to him in a new manner that appertain to the way of salvation by Christ, whereby he now sees how it is, and understands those divine and spiritual doctrines which once were foolishness to him. Such enlightenings of the understanding as these are things entirely different in their nature from strong ideas of shapes and colours and outward brightness and glory or sounds and voices, that all gracious affections do arise from some instruction or enlightening of the understanding is therefore a further proof that affections which arise from such impression on the imagination are not gracious affections besides the things observed before which make this evident. Hence also it appears that affections arising from texts of scripture coming to the mind are vain when no instruction received in the understanding from those texts or anything taught in those texts is the ground of the affection but the manner of their coming to the mind. When Christ makes the scripture a means of the heart's burning with gracious affection, it is by opening the scriptures to their understandings. Luke chapter 24 verse 32, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? It appears also that the affection which is occasioned by the coming of a text of scripture must be vain when the affection is founded on something that is supposed to be taught by it, which really is not contained in it, nor in any other scripture. Because such supposed instruction is not real instruction, but a mistake and misapprehension of the mind. As, for instance, when persons suppose that they are expressly taught by some scripture coming to their minds, that they, in particular, are beloved of God, or that their sins are forgiven, that God is their father, and the like. This is a mistake or misapprehension, for the scripture nowhere reveals the individual persons who are to be loved expressly, but only by consequence, by revealing the qualifications of persons that are beloved of God, and therefore this matter is not to be learned from Scripture any other way than by consequence, and from these qualifications. For things are not to be learned from the Scripture any other way than they are taught in the Scripture. Affections really arise from ignorance, rather than instruction, in these instances which have been mentioned as likewise in some others that might be mentioned. As some, when they find themselves free of speech in prayer, they call it God's being with them, and this affects them more, and so their affections are set a-going and increased, when they look not into the cause of this freedom of speech, which may arise many other ways besides God's spiritual presence. 
so some are much affected with some apt thoughts that come into their minds about the scripture and call it the spirit of god teaching them so they ascribe many of the workings of their own minds which they have a high opinion of and are pleased and taken with to the special immediate influences of god's spirit and so are mightily affected with their privilege and there are some instances of persons in whom it seems manifest that the first ground of their affection is some bodily sensation the animal spirits by some cause and probably sometimes by the devil are suddenly and unaccountably put into a very agreeable motion causing persons to feel pleasantly in their bodies the animal spirits are put into such a motion as is wont to be connected with the exhilaration of the mind and the soul by the laws of the union of soul and body hence feels pleasure the motion of the animal spirits does not first arise from any affection or apprehension of the mind whatsoever but the very first thing that is felt is an exhilaration of the animal spirits and a pleasant external sensation it may be in their breasts hence through ignorance the person being surprised begins to think surely this is the holy ghost coming into him and then the mind begins to be affected and raised there is first great joy and then many other affections in a very tumultuous manner putting all nature both body and mind into a mighty ruffle for though as i observed before it is the soul only that is the seat of the affections yet this hinders not but that bodily sensations may in this manner be an occasion of affections in the mind and if men's religious affections do truly arise from some instruction or light in the understanding yet the affection is not gracious unless the light which is the ground of it be spiritual affections may be excited by that understanding of things which they obtain merely by human teaching with the common improvement of the faculties of the mind men may be much affected by knowledge of things of religion that they obtain this way as some philosophers have been mightily affected and almost carried beyond themselves by the discoveries they have made in mathematics and natural philosophy so men may be much affected from common illuminations of the spirit of god in which god assists men's faculties to a greater degree of that kind of understanding of religious matters which they have in some degree by only the ordinary exercise and improvement of their own faculties such illuminations may much affect the mind as in many whom we read of in scripture that were once enlightened but these affections are not spiritual there is such a thing if the scriptures are of any use to teach us anything as a spiritual supernatural understanding of divine things that is peculiar to the saints and which those who are not saints have nothing of it is certainly a kind of understanding apprehending or discerning of divine things that natural men have nothing of which the apostle speaks of 1 corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 but the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of god for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned it is certainly a kind of seeing or discerning spiritual things peculiar to the saints 
which is spoken of, 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, Whosoever sinneth hath not been him, neither known him. 3 John, verse 11, He that doeth evil hath not seen God. And John chapter 6, verse 40, This is the will of him that sent me, that every one that seeth the Son, and believeth on him, may have everlasting life. Chapter 14, verse 19, The world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Chapter 17, verse 3, This is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, No man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father but the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. John chapter 12, verse 45, He that seeth me seeth him that sent me. Psalm 9, verse 10, They that know thy name will put their trust in thee. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Verse 10, that I may know him. And innumerable other places there are all over the Bible which show the same. And that there is such a thing as an understanding of divine things which in its nature and kind is wholly different from all knowledge that natural men have is evident from this that there is an understanding of divine things which the scripture calls spiritual understanding. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 We do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. It has been already shown that that which is spiritual in the ordinary use of the word in the New Testament is entirely different in nature and kind from all which natural men are or can be the subject of. From hence it may be surely inferred wherein spiritual understanding consists. For if there be in the saints a kind of apprehension or perception which is in its nature perfectly diverse from all that natural men have, or that it is possible they should have, until they have a new nature. It must consist in their having a certain kind of ideas or sensations of mind, which are simply diverse from all that is, or can be, in the minds of natural men. And that is the same thing as to say, that it consists in the sensations of a new spiritual sense, which the souls of natural men have not, as is evident by what has been before once and again observed. But I have already shown what that new spiritual sense is which the saints have given them in regeneration, and what is the object of it. I have shown that the immediate object of it is the supreme beauty and excellency of the nature of divine things as they are in themselves. And this is agreeable to the scripture. The apostle very plainly teaches that the great thing discovered by spiritual light and understood by spiritual knowledge is the glory of divine things. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest 
the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Together with verse 6, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined into our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And chapter 3, verse 18, proceeding, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And it must needs be so, for, as has been before observed, the Scripture often teaches that all true religion summarily consists in the love of divine things, and therefore that kind of understanding or knowledge, which is the proper foundation of true religion, must be the knowledge of the loveliness of divine things. For doubtless that knowledge which is the proper foundation of love is the knowledge of loveliness. What that beauty of divine things is, which is the proper and immediate object of a spiritual sense of mind, was showed under the last head insisted on, viz. that it is the beauty of their moral perfection. Therefore, it is in the view or sense of this that spiritual understanding does more immediately and primarily consist, and, indeed, it is plain that it can be nothing else. For, as has been shown, there is nothing pertaining to divine things besides the beauty of their moral excellency and those properties and qualities of divine things which this beauty is the foundation of, but what natural men and devils can see and know, and will know fully and clearly, to all eternity. From what has been said, therefore, we come necessarily to this conclusion concerning that wherein spiritual understanding consists vis-a-vis, that it consists in a sense of the heart, of the supreme beauty and sweetness of the holiness or moral perfection of divine things, together with all that discerning and knowledge of things of religion that depends upon and flows from such a sense. Spiritual understanding consists primarily in a sense of heart of that spiritual beauty. I say a sense of heart, for it is not speculation merely that is concerned in this kind of understanding, nor can there be a clear distinction made between the two faculties of understanding and will as acting distinctly and separately in this manner. When the mind is sensible of the sweet beauty and amiableness of a thing, that implies a sensibleness of sweetness and delight in the presence of the idea of it, and this sensibleness of the amiableness or delightfulness of beauty carries in the very nature of it the sense of the heart or an effect and impression the soul is the subject of as a substance possessed of taste inclination and will there is a distinction to be made between a mere notional understanding wherein the mind only beholds things in the exercise of a speculative faculty and the sense of the heart, wherein the mind does not only speculate and behold, but relishes and feels. That sort of knowledge, by which a man has a sensible perception of amiableness and loathsomeness, or of sweetness and nauseousness, 
is not just the same sort of knowledge with that by which he knows what a triangle is and what a square is. The one is mere speculative knowledge, the other sensible knowledge, in which more than the mere intellect is concerned. The heart is the proper subject of it, or the soul, as a being that not only beholds, but has inclination, and is pleased or displeased. And yet there is the nature of instruction in it, as he that has perceived the sweet taste of honey knows much more about it than he who has only looked upon and felt of it. The apostle seems to make a distinction between mere speculative knowledge of the things of religion and spiritual knowledge, in calling that the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law, Romans chapter 2 verse 20, which hast the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. The latter is often represented by relishing, smelling, or tasting. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 Now thanks be to God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ Jesus, and maketh manifest the savour of his knowledge in every place. Matthew chapter 16 verse 23 Thou savourest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of men. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 2 and 3 As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Canticles chapter 1 verse 3 because of the savour of thy good ointments, thy name is as ointment poured forth, therefore do the virgins love thee. Compared with 1 John chapter 2 verse 20, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Spiritual understanding primarily consists in this sense of taste of the moral beauty of divine things, so that no knowledge can be called spiritual any further than it arises from this and has this in it. But secondarily, it includes all that discerning and knowledge of things of religion which depend upon and flow from such a sense. When the true beauty and amiableness of the holiness or true moral good that is in divine things is discovered to the soul, it, as it were, opens a new world to its views. This shows the glory of all the perfections of God and of everything appertaining to the divine being. For, as was observed before, the beauty of all arises from God's moral perfection. This shows the glory of all God's works, both of creation and providence, for it is the special glory of them that God's holiness, righteousness, faithfulness and goodness are so manifested in them. And without these moral perfections, there would be no glory in that power and skill with which they are wrought. The glorifying of God's moral perfections is the special end of all the works of God's hands. By this sense of the moral beauty of divine things is understood the sufficiency of Christ as a mediator for it is only by the discovery of the beauty of the moral perfection of Christ that the believer is let into the knowledge of the excellency of his person, so as to know anything more of it than the devils do, 
and it is only by the knowledge of the excellency of Christ's person that any know his sufficiency as a mediator, for the latter depends upon and arises from the former. It is by seeing the excellency of Christ's person that the saints are made sensible of the preciousness of his blood and its sufficiency to atone for sin, for therein consists the preciousness of Christ's blood that it is the blood of so excellent and amiable a person. And on this depends the meritoriousness of his obedience and sufficiency and prevalence of his intercession. By this sight of the moral beauty of divine things is seen the beauty of the way of salvation by Christ, for that consists in the beauty of the moral perfections of God, which wonderfully shines forth in every step of this method of salvation from beginning to end. By this is seen the fitness and suitableness of this way, for this wholly consists in its tendency to deliver us from sin and hell, and to bring us to the happiness which consists in the possession and enjoyment of moral good, in a way sweetly agreeing with God's moral perfections, and in the ways being contrived so as to attain these ends, consists the excellent wisdom of that way. By this is seen the excellency of the word of God. Take away all the moral beauty and sweetness in the word, and the Bible is left wholly a dead letter, a dry, lifeless, tasteless thing. By this is seen the true foundation of our duty, the worthiness of God to be so esteemed, honoured, loved, submitted to, and served as he requires of us, and the amiableness of the duties themselves that are required of us. And by this is seen the true evil of sin, for he who sees the beauty of holiness must necessarily see the hatefulness of sin its contrary. By this men understand the true glory of heaven, which consists in the beauty and happiness that is in holiness. By this is seen the amiableness and happiness of both saints and angels. He that sees the beauty of holiness or true moral good sees the greatest and most important thing in the world, which is the fullness of all things, without which all the world is empty, no better than nothing, yea, worse than nothing. Unless this is seen, nothing is seen that is worth the seeing, for there is no other true excellency or beauty. Unless this be understood, nothing is understood that is worthy of the exercise of the noble faculty of understanding. This is the beauty of the Godhead, and the divinity of divinity, if I may so speak, the good of the infinite fountain of good, without which God himself, if that were possible, would be an infinite evil, without which we ourselves had better never have been, and without which there had better have been no being. He therefore, in effect, knows nothing that knows not this. His knowledge is but the shadow of knowledge, or the form of knowledge, as the Apostle calls it. Well, therefore, may the Scriptures represent those who are destitute of that spiritual sense by which is perceived the beauty of holiness, as totally blind, deaf, and senseless, yea, dead. And well may regeneration, in which this divine sense is given to the soul by its Creator, be represented as opening the blind eyes, and raising the dead, and bringing a person into a new world. 
for if what has been said be considered it will be manifest that when a person has this sense and knowledge given him he will view nothing as he did before though before he knew all things after the flesh yet henceforth he will know them so no more and he has become a new creature old things are passed away behold all things are become new agreeable to two corinthians chapter five verses sixteen and seventeen and besides the things that have been already mentioned there arises from this sense of spiritual beauty all true experimental knowledge of religion which is of itself as it were a new world of knowledge he that sees not the beauty of holiness knows not what one of the graces of god's spirit is he is destitute of any idea or conception of all gracious exercises of the soul and all holy comforts and delights and all effects of the saving influences of the spirit of god on the heart and so is ignorant of the greatest works of god the most important and glorious effects of his power upon the creature and also is wholly ignorant of the saints as saints he knows not what they are and in effect is ignorant of the whole spiritual world things being thus it plainly appears that god's implanting that spiritual supernatural sense which has been spoken of makes a great change in a man and were it not for the very imperfect degree in which this sense is commonly given at first or the small degree of this glorious light that first dawns upon the soul the change made by this spiritual opening of the eyes in conversion would be much greater and more remarkable every way than if a man who had been born blind and with only the other four senses should continue so a long time and then at once should have the sense of seeing imparted to him in the midst of the clear light of the sun discovering a world of visible objects for those sight be more noble than any of the other external senses yet this spiritual sense which has been spoken of is infinitely more noble than that or any other principle of discerning that a man naturally has and the object of this sense infinitely greater and more important this sort of understanding or knowledge is that knowledge of divine things from whence all truly gracious affections do proceed by which therefore all affections are to be tried those affections that arise wholly from any other kind of knowledge or do result from any other kind of apprehensions of mind are vain from what has been said may be learned wherein the most essential difference lies between that light or understanding which is given by the common influences of the spirit of god on the hearts of natural men and that saving instruction which is given to the saints the latter primarily and most essentially lies in beholding the holy beauty that is in divine things which is the only true moral good and which the soul of fallen man is by nature totally blind to the former consists only in a further understanding through the assistance of natural principles of those things which men may know in some measure by the alone ordinary exercise of their faculties and this knowledge consists only in the knowledge of those things pertaining to religion which are natural thus for instance in those awakenings of the conscience that natural men are often subject to the spirit of god gives no knowledge of the true moral beauty which is in divine things 
but only assists the mind to a clearer idea of the guilt of sin or its relation to punishment and connection with the evil of suffering without any sight of its moral evil or odiousness as sin and a clearer idea of the natural perfections of god wherein consists not his holy beauty and glory but his awful and terrible greatness it is a clear sight of this that will fully awaken the consciences of wicked men at the day of judgment without any spiritual light and it is a less degree of the same that awakens the consciences of natural men without spiritual light in this world the same discoveries are in some measure given in the conscience of an awakened sinner in this world which will be given more fully in the consciences of sinners at the day of judgment the same kind of sight or apprehension of god in a less degree makes awakened sinners in this world sensible of the dreadful guilt of sin against so great and terrible a god and sensible of its amazing punishment and fills them with fearful apprehensions of divine wrath that will thoroughly convince all wicked men of the infinitely dreadful nature and guilt of sin and astonish them with apprehensions of wrath when christ shall come in the glory of his power and majesty and every eye shall see him and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him and in those common illuminations which are sometimes given to natural men exciting in them some kind of religious desire love and joy the mind is only assisted to a clearer apprehension of the natural good that is in divine things thus sometimes under common illuminations men are raised with the ideas of the natural good that is in heaven as its outward glory its ease its honour and advancement a being there the object of the high favour of god and the great respect of men and angels etc so there are many things exhibited in the gospel concerning god and christ and the way of salvation that have a natural good in them which suits the natural principle of self-love thus in that great goodness of god to sinners and the wonderful dying love of christ there is a natural good which all men love as they love themselves as well as a spiritual and holy beauty which is seen only by the regenerate therefore there are many things appertaining to the word of god's grace delivered in the gospel which may cause natural men when they hear it anon with joy to receive it all that love which natural men have to god and christ and christian virtues and good men is not from any sight of the amiableness of the holiness or true moral excellency of these things but only for the sake of the natural good there is in them all natural men's hatred of sin is as much from principles of nature as men's hatred of a tiger for his rapaciousness or their aversion to a serpent for his poison and hurtfulness and all their love of christian virtue is from no higher principle than their love of a man's good nature which appears amiable to natural men but no otherwise than silver and gold appears amiable in the eyes of a merchant or than the blackness of the soil is beautiful in the eyes of the farmer from what has been said of the nature of spiritual understanding it appears that spiritual understanding does not consist in any new doctrinal knowledge or in having suggested to the mind any new proposition not before read or heard of for it is plain that this suggesting of new propositions is a thing entirely diverse from giving the mind a new taste or relish of beauty and sweetness 
it is also evident that spiritual knowledge does not consist in any new doctrinal explanation of any part of the scripture for still this is but doctrinal knowledge or the knowledge of propositions the doctrinal explaining of a part of scripture is only giving us to understand what the propositions contained or taught in that part of scripture hence it appears that the spiritual understanding of the scripture does not consist in opening to the mind the mystical meaning of the scripture in its parables types and allegories for this is only a doctrinal explication of the scripture he that explains what is meant by the stony ground and the seed springing up suddenly and quickly withering away only explains what propositions or doctrines are taught in it so he that explains what is typified by jacob's ladder and the angels of god ascending and descending on it or what was typified by joshua's leading israel through jordan only shows what propositions are hid in these passages and many men can explain these types who have no spiritual knowledge it is possible that a man might know how to interpret all the types parables enigmas and allegories in the bible and not have one beam of spiritual light in his mind because he may not have the least degree of that spiritual sense of the holy beauty of divine things which has been spoken of and may see nothing of this kind of glory in anything contained in any of these mysteries or any other part of the scripture it is plain by what the apostle says that a man might understand all such mysteries and have no saving grace 1 corinthians chapter 13 verse 2 and though i have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have not charity it profiteth me nothing they therefore are very foolish who are exalted in an opinion of their own spiritual attainments from notions that come into their minds of the mystical meaning of these and those passages of scripture as though it was a spiritual understanding of these passages immediately given them by the spirit of god and hence have their affections highly raised and what has been said shows the vanity of such affections from what has been said it is also evident that it is not spiritual knowledge for persons to be informed of their duty by having it immediately suggested to their minds that such and such outward actions or deeds are the will of god if we suppose that it is truly god's manner thus to signify his will to his people by immediate inward suggestions such suggestions have nothing of the nature of spiritual light such kind of knowledge would only be one kind of doctrinal knowledge a proposition concerning the will of god is as properly a doctrine of religion as a proposition concerning the nature of god or a work of god and having either of these kinds of propositions or any other proposition declared to a man either by speech or inward suggestion differs vastly from a having the holy beauty of divine things manifested to the soul wherein spiritual knowledge does most essentially consist thus there was no spiritual light in balaam though he had the will of god immediately suggested to him by the spirit of god from time to time concerning the way that he should go and what he should do and say end of section 7 of part 3 recording by matthew james gray mjgray.id.au